electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market Moving Insight and Analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Good Thursday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, David Faber at Post 9 of the New York Stock Exchange. Pre-markets had a lot thrown at it this morning. More regional banking stress, an ECB hike, some weak guidance in semis, and a big IPO today. Ten-year 334 is about a one-month low. Our roadmap's going to begin with the banks, though. First Horizon plunging after this deal to be acquired by TD was scrapped. Shares of PacWest also down sharply. That regional bank apparently weighing strategic options including a possible sale. And the Fed implements its 10th consecutive rate increase. Rates are now higher than they've been in 16 years, opening the door to a pause, though, in its tightening cycle. First up, though, we'll begin with TD Bank and First Horizon ending their $13.4 billion merger agreement, citing a lack of clarity on when they would get some of these regulatory approvals. On a call to investors this morning, First Horizon CEO Brian Jordan said his company tried everything to get the deal done. I'd like to be very clear. The fact that regulatory approvals were unable to be obtained by May 27th did not relate in any way to First Horizon. We were informed by TD that they could not provide an updated timeline for an extension and they could not provide assurance of regulatory approval in 2023 or 2024. Let me assure you, we pursued every possible path to complete this transaction without success. A lot of discussion this morning, guys, about if this deal is running into friction, uh, is there unnecessary pressure now being put on banks yeah, by regulators? I, I, there's so many different things here uh, uh, that I, uh, at least I can share from having spoke to people uh, familiar with the situation, let's call it. Um, First Horizon was never made aware of what the regulatory matters really were. Never. Now, there's something called Capital Journal that's reported on the possibility it was a fair lending problem at TD. My understanding is that they were never told that TD was uncommunicative when it came specifically to sharing the specifics of this regulatory impediment. That's number one. But number two, Jim, I think perhaps should be more concerning for the overall market, which is I'm told that, you know, the Fed said, we have confidence in you, First Horizon. You'll be okay if we don't let this deal happen. It'll be okay out there. Uh, And that does lead one to wonder whether they fully appreciate uh, the depth of this turbulence right now and what it could mean. It seems hard to, to imagine they can't, but you would, Im- again, imagine in an environment like this where you have an opportunity to put a regional bank in the hands of a very safe acquirer that you would actually do so, that you would bend over backwards as a regulator to make sure that happened. And instead, they send a different sign saying, hey, we're confident you'll be fine. We can't let this deal happen. Uh, and uh, as is, at least at this point, and that's where we stand. I think you, it, really great point. Uh, you know, I've been a big fan of J-Pal, but they seem to not understand the depths of the problems here. Because uh, First Horizon, they were regular. They came on every quarter. They were a good, solid regional and considered to be one of the best and most conservative regionals 
And if this is what's happening to First Horizon, then if you look at the rest of the regionals, I think you would say that they're in far more trouble than we realize. And I don't want to, I just can't uh, overemphasize that First Horizon is far better than many of the banks that are in the key uh, indices that are really crushing us. This is the, uh, you have an S&P ETF, you have another ETF, and First Horizon is the star. Yeah. And so if First Horizon's in trouble, then I really think we have to kind of rethink how suboptimal the situation is yeah, for every other To be bank. fair, the environment has obviously changed dramatically but, since but this deal was first announced. So with it breaking, the stock was going to come but, off. But Verizon no was what? in every growth area in the country. Brian Jordan is one of the best lenders. I've chronicled his career for the last decade. He's as good as it gets. And the growth there was excellent. And they were a very conservative bank. Well, one the, reason why the Fed may feel like they'll be fine. But uh, again, fine. It's, what's unclear in this market is who will be fine and who won't. Yes. Somebody said to me, Jim, um, and this goes to all those uh, people who are shorting these stocks, there is a lot of dry tinder and there are some arsonists out there. Arsonists? Well, I mean, I mean, those who are shorting these stocks no, in I, part to try to create uh, to try to create the very instability that then would well, if you get wanna, them to a, look, an the, end. The indices that are being shorted, for instance, the S&P one, uh, it's a New York Community Bank, then M&T. These are all in the red hot griddle. OK, re, re, uh, Regions RF, Citizens, Truist, HBAM, Huntington Bank. Obviously, EWBC. Now, there are two indices. One has PNC at 14, U.S. Bank at 12. These are the percentage that if you short, this is what you're shorting. Okay. Truist is 11. You're talking M&T about the percentage B. they represent of the indices that are being used. Of this ETF? Or? Yeah, but they're the use, yeah, these are the indices. There's the IAT and the KRE. And these are being used to break these banks. And they're, you know, 50% of their positions are short. So it's very easy to break these banks. And I thought that the Fed... Did not. It focused on March. It didn't focus on what's happening right now, and that was distressing to me because Carl, uh, it, it's not it, like 2008. It's not hard to take these banks down. Uh, and we should make clear to viewers uh, why this matters for macro, uh, because so many of these businesses, um, small and medium sized, count on regionals and community banks, and that's I guess why we're hearing the likes of Bill Ackman and now Nelson Peltz this morning at least suggest that these deposit rules do need to be changed. Well, Nelson was uh, adamant. I mean, look, if you don't raise the, if the FDIC doesn't get in a room and say, listen, temporarily at least we have to raise to a million. I, if you have your money in any of these banks, if you have, I mean, I, I have, have run at various times charities, and I can't keep more than two, 250,000 in any of these banks. That would be, yeah. that wouldn't be a fiduciary. Now, remember, if you were going to go to universal deposit insurance, you need an act of Congress to do that. That's legislation. That's a long time. Could you time. have a temporary levy on banks in order to be able to get through this? Yeah. The other thing I'm told, you know, that Fed program that was unveiled, maybe it was a week after SVB or even less, where the banks were able to pledge collateral to the Fed, I'm told that that has been fairly stringent and that there are a lot of ways that that could have been, you know, whether it's duration, rate, or collateral, that things could be toggled there. I mean, there were people who actually said, look, this is, unless there There are banks that would like to take advantage of it that have not been able to because of of the way that they're looking at it, whether it's duration rate or or the nature of the collateral, it could be changed to make it more available. And that hasn't been by the Fed. Well, that's very distressing because I had felt that if you had credit, good paper, agency paper or treasuries, 
then that was the way out of this. So if it's not the way out of this, then only deposit insurance being increased is the way out of it. But again, but I think it, it what, goes back to the idea that it, how seriously is the Fed taking this, as we've called it, mini-crisis? Many well, had thought once First Republic was taken into receivership early, uh, on Monday or Sunday night uh, that we would be through this, including the right. likes of Jamie Dimon and many others. Um, we may not be. It may be being created by those who are shorting the right. stocks, the very panic that then would lead to some of the outcomes that we're talking right. about. But nonetheless, here we are. So. But David, I mean, you're talking about really fine institutions that are key to the fabric then, of our country, an M&T, a Regents, a Citizens, a Truist. We can't not have Huntington Bank. No. I mean, if you're a congressman right now and you have the depth of, of what your community is about, I think you would say, did... did did Jay Powell read the papers? I know. We may need more consolidation. We've said that. But, the, but what do you mean? Jay Powell raised rates 25 basis points yesterday well, without with seemingly a necessary concern about exactly what the tightening is going to be like that comes from all these banks I, that aren't going to be lending anymore. Well, his point yesterday in the presser was that when, when he was in government, there were many more banks than there are today. So consolidation has been going on for a long time. Right. Well, if we want consolidation, we could have, uh, I'd say, some real midnight or 3 a.m. consolidation going on. The problem is, David, PNC's in one of these indices. That's in the second index, the IIT. People are so busy breaking PNC, how do they have the ability to be able to be the merger? Or the, the consolidated? Mean, West would like to be consolidated, but at this point, its market cap is well, I, but, I mean, virtually one nothing. One thing you don't do, I mean, I, I really appreciate when insiders buy stock. Yeah. But, you know, this thing's happening so fast that I don't sit there and say, well, you know what, geez, there's some insider stock what? What I say is, okay, everybody, that did they not realize when they put J.P. Morgan together, these others, that they left the door open here, the FDIC left the door open for, for a Comerica, which is an extraordinarily good back. In the 30s, Comerica was an extraordinarily good back. That Comerica could be broken by these indices. I just, I, don't, I think that this notion of breaking a stock is so alien to what the FDIC is that they were somewhat kind of like Bambi. Bambi did not... Not Bambi's mom. I'm giving him a little heads up. Right. But there's a thumper notice here. Just to use to literally something naive everybody You're talking knows. about naivete. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just think that, like, when I look at a Pac West, it was almost instantaneous with the with the press conference being over. When you realize, David, you realize he didn't address no. what's happening. But does he, he doesn't who, favor who? national. You J- mean Powell? Powell does not want national well, consolidation. He, he did argue yesterday, and this was one of the... Um, the, the elements that made some people feel it was dovish was that the credit tightening now is not a theory, it's a fact, and suggested that the loan officer survey we're going to see is going to reflect that. Well, I mean, right now they're lucky because I've not found anyone other than uh, auto companies who say that there's been any sort of strict lending. But again, I want to go over the need of this country to have a key bank. Now, Chris Gorman, is a, who's an excellent banker, this is a Cleveland bank key, if we decide that it's not an imperative, this is the one I went over Sunday night. If we decide it's not an imperative to save a key, which by in no means is in trouble, right. then what do we do? Do you, uh, really quick, this Gallup poll this morning that shows that uh, nearly half of uh, U.S. adults are worried about the safety of their deposits. It's a higher number than in 08, higher number than in the GFC. You think that is reasonable? Yes. I think that you, if you're a fiduciary, you don't have any choice because... I don't know how you would face the police athletic league that you may have $300,000 in and they lose 50000 because they didn't take it out of blah, blah, blah savings. 
Yeah. I mean, again, though, every time we're going to have a failure, if we have any more, there's going to be a systemic exemption and all the deposits will be covered or it's going to be sold to a bank that takes but, them over. Look, you a la what happened with First Republic and J.P. Morgan. So but, or, I don't or, know how concerned in, you really should be. Well, there's no concern <laughs> except for the fact that these are the fabric of America. I know, but... Have you ever I, tried I, to raise money? When you want to I raise guess my money point for is, charity, go to JP. When it comes to it, you're not actually going to lose your money. So don't move your money because you won't lose your money. But you want to see a consolidation and, an, and a radical decline in lending. That's and, a, a, a right. larger issue. And, and, right. and that's, well, some would point to the Russell this morning, right? You're, the, the, and why it's underperformed for, for so long now. Well, I mean, what's happened is you could argue that the reason why the Treasury's long term are really facing a recession is because we have a wholesale wipeout for no particular no credit reason. Remember, the, no. none of these banks. Well, no, we did have some issues. The banks that that went under, I could argue, they were credit right. issues. Some of them were very unique in terms of their clientele and therefore their lending uh, to some extent. But and we do obviously have outflow of deposits, not because of fear, but because of the desire for higher rates. Right. Uh, so. There's that, and then there's the larger question of the ability of these banks to continue to lend given their cost of funds and what may certainly be a pullback on their part. But But the idea that everybody should pull their money because they're not going to get it insured has not been proved out. No, I mean, if you're on the conference calls for the regionals, for the really good regionals, say, in Ohio, which are excellent banks, they have very sticky deposits. There's no one pulling out. They're good. But this is a shoot first uh, questions later because... These indices are bringing these down. Now, if I were, I was once with a CEO who said, listen, I've got to get out of an index because the index is pushing my bank, my, my company down. Uh, these, these people should be petitioning the S&P and say, get me the hell out of that index. That is not something that's out of the realm. Because when I see, uh, when I see the, I'm going to pick on Comerica for one second because it's a great bank. When I see their percentage of uninsured share of customer deposits, a percent above FDIC guaranteed threshold, then you're in a good luck situation. And I don't think they deserve that. I'm defender of these banks. These are the fabric of our country. And if you let them go and decide that the only bank that we should have in this is J.P. Morgan, then take us back to 1907, which I am now putting in the David a disgrace what they're doing. It's a disgrace with the FDIC and the Fed, and no one has backed j more than I have. Yeah. Uh, now you do sound like what Peltz has said uh, to the FT this morning. Uh, a lot to get to this morning. We'll get to Paramount, of course, getting crushed on these later latest quarterly results and the div cut. Uh, we'll get to uh, semis, Qualcomm and Corvo, Travel, Hyde and RCL, Consumer, Shopify, Etsy, and of course, the big IPO today. Don't go anywhere. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. 
For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Shares Paramount uh, global sliding this morning. You can see it may be down as much as 18%. Uh, overall on just, uh, you know, worse than expected quarter, uh, weighing on that first quarter were a number of macroeconomic issues perhaps, as well as uh, a dividend cut and uh, a significant one. Of course, when it comes to the dividend, it's a question I've asked Bob Backish numerous times in the many interviews we've done over the last few years. Uh, uh, Backish telling investors, by the way, in the earnings call uh, that occurred earlier, the uncertain and challenging macro environment did impact uh, the financials. As for that dividend, 24 cents to 5 cents. Paramount, uh, it talks about that. Paramount uh, Plus did well, 4.1 million subs, but you know the losses pile up, 511 million dollar, uh, essentially, loss there, uh, as they continue to try and scale that service. Uh, they do have or have gotten over 60 to over 60 million subs. Um, dividend cut finally happened. Many would argue it should have happened quite some time ago. This when your company is you know five, uh, free cash flow negative of 554 million. In a quarter, yeah, you might want to cut a dividend that's costing you half a billion dollars. TV media revenue, by the way, also down uh, about 8%. Studio even lost about almost 100 million bucks. This is with the great year there, you know, with Tom Cruise and everything else. And yet, yeah, you you had a a loss there. So that does raise some questions as well. And of course, then the larger question will be, can this company ever get to the scale that it needs to in its current incarnation? Or does it at some point need to find a partner? Uh, And by the way, does it have enough runway to get to that point where it would find a partner? Who would that partner be? Well, we always come back to our company as a possibility. But again, the regulatory questions there are significant. The structural things that would have to happen in terms of just dealing with CBS and or NBC in some way to allow for a deal. It gets complicated quickly, Jim. Yes. But... um, you know, there had been a trade-on for some time, given Warren Buffett's Berkshire owns a good amount of Paramount, what, 15-plus percent, I think, something like that. Buy Paramount, short Warner Brothers Discovery. That's unwinding. Yeah, Warner Brothers Discovery uh, is Friday's uh, It's, it's reporting yeah. tomorrow morning. Right. Yeah, I think so. Now, David, they, they directly talk about softness in TV advertising. Uh, it, so is there anything that is working for them? Well, you know, the, I will say ads were not as bad as many had ex- expected. And so but while they, that's they, weaker, they softness, though. yeah, while it's right. weaker, it wasn't something that is a surprise. I just think overall sort of the losses piling up, what you're spending on DTC, what you have to to continue to grow uh, uh, subs is is an issue. Warner Brothers Discovery tomorrow. We'll see what those numbers look like in terms of especially when it comes to their DTV product. Obviously, they're talking there about Warner Brothers Discovery. A lot of the free cash flow being weighted well towards the end of the year. They did three billion in last year's fourth quarter. They had 800 million in interest right. payments for the first quarter. So you can see and, why. And they have a decent bond structure. They managed to do that. But David, yeah, but the, I let, mean, this will pressure Warner Brothers Discovery. But let's too. talk. Let, let's talk unscripted for a second. The, the notion. Jim Stewart's excellent book. The notion had been that, that Sherry Redstone did not want this dividend cut. Is there something changed here? I'm sorry, that she didn't that want she what? She did not want the dividend to be cut. Well, the dividend helps support her. <laughs> well, 
Yeah. You know, when you're getting paid as a percent of that 500 million, it's not an insignificant amount that goes to national amusement. So, yes. Yeah. I mean, but you could argue that, you know, from a governance perspective, why this board didn't move more quickly to potentially say, hey, it's time to, to sort of yeah. cut back. I think it's an issue. Well, he does come that backish comments on the strike. Uh, says the two sides, a pretty big gap in terms of the two sides coming together on an agreement. Uh, but then adds, uh, although slightly dilutive to revenue, accretive to cash on hand, which we're hearing from a lot of the studios, the, the X factor there is really uh, the tech streamers that are new to this kind of negotiation. Yeah, and look, I gotta come back to this. Gaining of subs was the way to promote your stock. David, gaining of subs meant nothing. Almost as if when you gain a sub, you don't make money. Is that possible? Yeah, well, it changed, right? It's no it longer changed. about adding subs. It's about actually doing it profitably. And every one of the streamers is much more focused on that. Warner well, Brothers Discovery fairly early there. Disney is certainly focused on it. Peacock is going to be losing $3 billion a year at this point. You see what the loss is at Paramount+. Plus. But that's the new world, and to Carl's point at least, they may save some money by not having to pay writers, but the question then becomes, is there going to be enough programming at some well, point if this writer strike goes on for some period of time? Are you speaking Chegmate? Is that what you're saying? A glib method. You mean AI taking over the writing function? Well, AI taking over. already in the mix, it. yeah. We're seeing this happen right now, and I mean, a lot of companies just feel like Zillow talked about it. Okay, I mean, you got to work it in. I feel like I have to work it in every day with you, um, I just be sure to. <laughs> it's, need, to need the physical touch just yeah, to be sure. want to be sure. Uh, we'll get Kramer's Mad Dash countdown to the opening bell. Plenty more earnings to get to as well. We'll work our way through uh, Pizza and Shaq and Peloton, Arconic, Moderna. When we come back. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Take a look at some S&P laggards. We've worked our way through uh, Paramount and some of the banks, obviously. Qualcomm's the other story that we'll get to on this June quarter guidance uh, and what Corvo also means for semis working our way into the summer. Opening bell coming up in five minutes. All right, let's get to a uh, mad dash. You can hear them already. Yeah. Starting to scream. Ken View, of course, coming public. First IPO we've seen in a while. A I big know, one, too. A big one, too. Uh, now, David, there's a company called Shopify, and everyone kind of like, likes it because it's the alternative to Amazon. It's a small, medium-sized business. But one of the problems they had is, is that they had to do logistics, and logistics are a very hard business. So what they've done is offload logistics to Flexport. Uh, it, there was really GXO, export, they, uh, Flexport can do it. But this makes it so they've cut 20% of their workforce, and they now become the de facto uh, Amazon for small, but they don't have to do the nitty-gritty stuff, which is ship. And I think it's incredibly bullish. I will have them on tonight. And uh, it's a remarkable company, but the one thing they couldn't do on the scale of Amazon was get it to you. They can process. They can have a front. They have the front of the store, but they no longer have to have the back of the store. 
So it's very good. And that is that what the stock is reacting yeah, to? Yeah, it's probably not done because this is a remarkable Canadian company that was burdened by, by the, the part that they couldn't compete with Amazon. That's actually part of it. There's also the 20% headcount Yeah, the, the headcount reduction, they just don't need as many. Uh, so it's like a clean, it's lean Amazon without the parts that are really expensive. Is that kind of headcount cut what you think Amazon also needs to do? The 20% after doing some last year. Um, frankly, I cannot hear. I think an enormous number of employees. Are you saying that Amazon is over, has too many people in CNBC Real-Time Exchange at the big board. It is Kenview celebrating its initial public offering, and we are going to talk to the CEO of the J&J spinoff in a bit at the NASDAQ First Responders Children's Foundation. So, Jim, are you... Think you this is why the Celtics were able to do the Sixers. It was very loud in the garden, and they could, the Sixers couldn't hear each other. That might be. I happen to like Kenview very much because it happens to be a little bit cheaper than the other companies that are in the similar game. David, you know this is up against uh, Halion, which is another spinoff, which has actually been quite good. They're going to have 3.5% yield unless the stock opens at 25 instead of 22. Right. So you kind of, you, 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 you like it coming out of the gate here, Kenview? Do I like it out of the gate? I think that it's a steady eddy company in an area that people uh, versus, say, uh, Huntington Bank. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, Huntington Bank, a company I know well, national imperative to save that bank. But there is seems to no national imperative because our Federal Reserve chairman didn't even indicate there's a problem. Well, by even putting it in the perspective of save that bank, you, don't you think you scare people by saying that? I hope so, because this bank must be saved. I say that they know nothing if they don't do something right now, the FDIC. Because I don't mean to scare anyone. The, the indus, it, it's in an index. That index will be pushed down today, and they can break anything. You can break anything with that index. This is not 2008. These companies haven't done anything wrong. They, what did they do? They bought treasuries. Nothing. They did nothing. They've done wrong. nothing wrong. Huntington Bank's the most conservative when it comes to the, the insurance. I picked them because they're so conservative, they have no problems, except for the fact that they're in an index. All true, Jim. All true. But why is that allowed? We thought that this was kind of over and done with. Let's, let's remember, the deposit outflows were not as significant in many of these banks as was feared. We saw that when they reported earnings. I hope so. So what's going on now is just fear being created by those who are shorting the stocks and successfully looking at their balance sheets or their mark-to-market I'm and saying, saying, well, there could be an issue here, there could be an issue there. Of course there could be. It doesn't the mean there FDI, would be. But if the FDIC were to come out today and just say, listen, we have emergency procedures. This is over. We're not going to have a situation where people would pull out because of this, because these companies have done nothing wrong. Then you would have, I'm not trying to call a short squeeze, but you would have the pressure off a bank like Key. I've known Key for years. Key is an amazingly good bank. Comerica surprised, they survived the depression for heaven's sake. How can we let this happen? How can the FDIC well, let this again, happen? Again, the stocks are not down that much. I mean, let's not well, forget it's early. their ability to make money is somewhat impaired right now, Jim. Yes, but I just think we have to take viability off the table. I'm not talking about earnings pressure. Th these are excellent banks. All right, but I mean, 
fair. Like some, they're still in the 30s and 40s. Well, and you want 50s. me to say not this, buy the hell out of them? I'm not going to do that. I can't do that because when these indices, when they start getting the KRE open again, the short smell blood. And these banks are doing everything right. They haven't done anything wrong with their balance sheets. This is not First Republic. This is certainly not, David, Silicon Valley Even Bank. First these Republic didn't respe- do that much wrong with its balance sheet. But these are good, respectable banks that are being crushed. Yeah, so First agreed. Horizon, we don't know what happened. Are the, are the broader indices, I mean, we're down 11 points on the S&P. Is that because these are the large companies for whom this kind of credit crunch won't be an issue? Well, I think that getting a loan at a bank that is worried about preserving its deposits uh, might be harder today than it's been in a long time. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 what I'm saying, David's right. I mean, am I fomenting something? No, I am seeing a juggernaut happen, a freight train that is headed toward another freight train that could be easily avoided. Right now, if the FDI said, he said, we will extend insurance if you want it, and this ends. This crisis ends. And that would be good for America. Um, all right, here's a positive note for you this morning. Arconic is getting bought at a decent premium. It's a deal that many people were aware was in process, but perhaps lost sight of because uh, stock's up a lot. 30 bucks a share, cash, Apollo. Talked to Mark Rowan, who runs Apollo just a couple of days ago. It's worth about 5.2 billion total enterprise value. Uh, market cap's below that, but there is some debt here. Take a look at that move. This is not your old Arconic even, not to mention your old Alcoa. This is just what's left of that company. Um, right. We talked about the expense, you know, I mean, we talked a lot with him, and I talked with uh, uh, Toma Bravo as well, Orlando Bravo, about the cost of financing, but it doesn't seem to be stopping Apollo, at least in this deal. What do they like about this? Because I like the Halmet business. I mean, there was a lot of value. The Halmet there. business got split off yeah, from this, right? Yeah, that's a lot right? of value. Halmet was the aircraft business that I like so much. Yeah. What do they, is there anything in particular they see in Arconic that, that Klaus Kleinfeld, the CEO that, was, that committed to the buyback? I do not know, Jim. Uh, all up? I can read to you is a quote from the press release in which they say their talented management team and employees operate a set of premier global assets serving markets that are growing. And they're committed to investing significant capital in the company to secure its competitive position and world-class product offering to continue building on Arconic's journey. The journey. The journey. I like journey. That I is, saw them that's the best I, I can I do for you. I saw journey get inducted to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. So that's Apollo they do it. Look, they have, they have parts for automotive that are good. They have parts for industrial. It's a, a pastiche of industrials that is actually doing quite well and it's undervalued. I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, some of the uh, industrial numbers today aren't too bad. Take a look at IR, up 3%. That's going to be close to a at least a multi-year but high. I have Cummins on. They did a remarkable quarter. Uh, by the way, Eaton had a remarkable quarter. The industrials are shining here. Uh, some because of China, some China iffy. But I have to think that these companies are, uh, it's very oddly, uh, Illinois Tool Works being the exception, doing really, really well. Stanley Black & Decker, not too bad. We, we do want to get to Qualcomm, though, on some of this uh, guidance for the June quarter. Um, Cristiano Oman talked about the macro backdrop, and it's been mixed after NXP and now Qualcomm. Take a listen. The evolving macroeconomic backdrop has resulted in further demand deterioration, particularly in handsets, at a magnitude greater than we previously forecasted. As a result, 
we're operating under the assumption that inventory drawdown dynamics remain a significant factor for at least the next couple quarters. Additionally, while expectations are for a rebound in China demand in the second half of the calendar year, we have not seen evidence of meaningful recovery and are not incorporating improvements into our planning assumptions. That's interesting because China manufacturing PMI did miss last night, yes. back below 50. I, I think China has become a, a conundrum for a lot of people. For some heavy machinery, it's been very good. For some sales, LVMH, it was extraordinary. For Macau, it's been very good. But for other companies, including Qualcomm and handsets, it just sounds weak. Now, I don't, I think Christian Amand, uh is border, I think he's been inconsistent, but I also think he has been uh, too optimistic about his business. Too optimistic. Too optimistic. You think he's now moderating that optimism? It sounded like it. He's throttling it back dramatically. And if you spoke with him even a few months ago, he was quick to tell you how well he was doing in automotive. Right. They love to, and, they really like to talk a lot about automotive, don't they? Well, they didn't do well in automotive. Yeah. Uh, Cristiano walked back a lot of his optimism. and. I think his optimism at the 130 and 140 level would have been a much more appropriate level to, to roll back. What does that comment on handsets mean? Specifically, Apple's going and to be reporting, know. and we Apple shares are down about 1.5%. Well, and then, look, uh, Apple's run is running into the quarter, which has historically been not great. Uh, we don't know exactly whether uh, Apple's modems are exactly still being made for Qualcomm. Remember, Apple's moving away from Qualcomm, whether yes. they had someone uh, who was making the uh, making the particular portion, the Qualcomm's particular portion, whether they've uh, had, had a substitute, that's very good. The modem market, though, I want to make sure people understand, is opaque, and Apple is always quick to tell you, we are not going to reveal who made this. So I think that Cristiano is no friend of Apple. He did not say Apple's excluded. He did not say Apple's included. He just simply admitted what a lot of us felt, which is business was far worse than he thought. There were a lot of people who felt that he was uh, too bullish. I am trying so hard to be a gentleman here. I just am running out. We should switch right now to Black & Decker. Well, really quick, uh, Corvo's up 4% and also well, got it a little lighter, but maybe because not as much as, as Cristiano did. Corvo is a company that has Apple, and it's done quite well. Like uh, looks, Skywork Solutions is a company that's done Apple, and it's quite well. But Apple does not play by the rules. Apple says, listen, it's a fight club situation. First rule of Fight Club is you don't talk about Fight Club. That's Apple. And uh, Christian Amar had been, he had been willing to break the rules because his relationship is so frayed. But um, I think that Black and Decker's Stanley Buckdoors was excellent. <laughs> um, another name, guys, on earnings that's worth a look. Uh, things, uh, first quarter out of the deck for uh, Harvey Schwartz, not so good. Not so early. good. Early. Carlisle's down 12% early. It's early. It's early. Yeah, it's early, early, but it's not exactly the way you want to start things off. You take a look at Carlisle no. Group shares. Um, no. Distributable earnings, 63 cents. That was below, I think, many of the analysts. I think consensus was 68. Do we have CG, guys? We can show it. Um, and we're talking about lower than expected realized performance fees. They did have a lower tax rate. You want to con tra um, contrast that with Blackstone? performance levels. I'm seeing, you know, from one research report, modestly, modestly positive for private equity, flat for real estate and infrastructure. 
but overall not a good quarter, not being well, well received. he just got there. Yes, he just got there. Right. So You're being kind. I don't know the man. I'm in so. such a kind mood today that that makes me want to go to Kenview. Oh. Having used a lot of Neutrogena products this very morning, including the, the one that I regard as when you shave and you clean it off, it's excellent. And I don't think, if you look at my, if my, my, almost entirely my, my bathroom, all cabinets have your product in, as I think most people do, which is why it's a great pleasure. And I am going to get this name right, Tebow, like Tim Tebow, Mangon. We are thrilled to have you on our set. And congratulations for what looks to be, I think, going to be a very successful spinoff of J&J. Thank you, Tim, and good morning. It's great to be here. It's definitely a great day for Kenview and for all our 22,000 team members around the world. We are listing Kenview today. Uh, and you, you said it, right? Millions of consumers around the world this morning wake up with a Kenview product in their home. Think about brands like Tylenol, Neutrogena, Listerine, Band-Aid, brands that have been with you throughout your life. We probably gave you your first bath with Johnson's Baby. Uh, and I hope you use some of our products this, this morning. Sure. Uh, we are bringing to life the uh, largest pure play consumer health company in the world. No, I, I, I think that a lot of people are realizing just now that they are using J&J with an Aveeno. They are, we know Band-Aids, but we know there's much more than you're doing, which, I, which brings me to something that J&J once told me, which is that they were not able to spend as much time with you because they've been so pharma and medical device. So what can you do to accelerate growth now that you'll be on your own Will it be new products? Will it be tuck-in acquisitions? Or will it just be like a greater focus than you were allowed to have as part of J&J? Yeah, you're absolutely right, Jim. Uh, we do this from a position of strength. Kenview is a healthy business, and uh, we, we are ready to embark on this uh, new chapter. Definitely, we will be more focused with our 22,000 uh, Kenviewers focused on serving one consumers, one way to win in this industry, m- more end-to-end opportunities to work as one team. And so we are excited about today, but also what lies ahead. A big part of our discussions lately have involved uh, worries about macro growth uh, in, you know, in the U.S. and ex-U.S. Does that mean that growth comes from, uh, from value or more innovation and premium products? It comes from both. At Kenview, we really stay close to consumers. We innovate every day to make sure that we bring to consumers product and solution that help them take care of their, of their health. Uh, summer is coming, the, uh, the, it's uh, time for Neutrogena sunscreen. Uh, our Neutrogena team has innovated again this year with a, a strong product that doesn't leave any white residue, which will give access to sunscreen to more people in the United States and around the world. What's the trajectory right now of marketing spend, for example? We are really focused on making sure that we are in the homes of the consumers we, we serve. And so we invest in making sure that our brands are relevant with consumers so they are as relevant today as they have been for the 135 years we have been in this business. I think it's important for people to understand your three different divisions. You've got self-care, you've got this uh, skin beauty, and you also have essential health. Uh, All three are doing incredibly well, but if you could just explain how you came up with the rubrics of those, I think it would help more people at home to understand what you're doing. Yes, you're right, Jim. We are a pure play in consumer health, so we are the only company our size really focused on covering all aspects of consumer health, and it it does include self-care, skin health and beauty, and essential health. This is really the power of our portfolio with so many iconic brands that have been part of people's homes for decades, passed from generation to generation. That's what makes Kenview special. 
uh, roughly 8% of the uh, companies being sold today by J&J, meaning they'll own 92% still, still control the board. What is the plan for distributing the remainder of those shares, I'm told, later this year, and therefore then, when it's no longer a controlled company, the changes that may take place in the board of directors? Yeah, Johnson Johnson has been very clear that J&J intends to complete the separation this year. Today is a first step. And so we are going to start trading as an independent company with our own board starting today. And then when is that going to be? Those shares will be distributed to existing J&J shareholders later in the year? J&J has been very clear that they intend this separation to be completed uh, in 2023. Now, I do want to be sure that people understand there is some talc litigation. The uh, plaintiff's bar would say talc is connected with asbestos, obviously uh, J&J just says that that's not the case. You are um, saddled uh, with the international portion, but America is quite different when it comes to litigation as the international. Are you able to think to make it so that this is more of an asterisk than front and center right now where J&J is putting up almost $9 billion to try to re- re- uh, get a settlement with plaintiffs? Yeah, I want to be very clear, Jim. This liability in the U.S. and Canada stays with Johnson & Johnson. So at, so at Kenview, we are laser-focused on what we do best, serving our consumers across our portfolio with the brands that, that, that we mentioned, and that's what we are going to continue to be focused on. And how did you arrive at the, um, the leverage? $8 billion is rather low versus other companies have done similar spin-offs. It, it's a first step. Uh, on, on our journey to, to separate. And so we are so far on track with our plan to, to separate from Johnson & Johnson. Well, that would mean that you have far more ability to be able to buy tucked-in acquisitions without worrying anything about your balance sheet whatsoever. We, will, we, we have a healthy business with strong revenue uh, momentum, healthy margin, and a solid, solid cash flow. So we'll certainly employ all of these strengths uh, for the benefit of Kenview. And then I want everyone to understand that you are, in terms of where you are dividend versus your peers, you have a higher level of dividend. Obviously, if the stock soars, your, your yield will be lower. But again, uh, were you conscious of what the other companies are offering as a dividend in the space and decided to make it bigger? Yeah, every company is unique. We have a strong J&J heritage, and you know, Jim, how J&J is very well known for uh, its dividend policy, and we generate solid durable cash flow. Our first priority is to invest it in our business, to make sure that we are as strong today as we have been for more than a century now, but dividend, an attractive dividend policy will be uh, a way for us to give value back to shareholders. Well, I hope my Chapel Trust owns it. We are anxious to get the shares as soon as J&J gives them to us. I want to thank Thibaut Mangan for coming on. Congratulations on an excellent offer. Thank you. Very exciting. Uh, time for the bond report this morning as we're at session lows pretty early here. 4060, by the way. S&P is just about five points above the April closing low. And you got yields down across the board. The two-year back to 382. 10-year, 335, and earlier this morning hit 334. That's the lowest since April 6. Back in a moment. There's a look at TD and uh, First Horizon uh, as that deal falls apart. Overall, the S&P Regional Bank ETF back to uh, fresh uh, lows going back to October 2020. Uh, USB down 6, uh, Truist down 4. By the way, don't miss the CEO of First Horizon later today in the 11 a.m. hour of Squawk on the Street as we're back to 4063 S&P.
Let's get to Jim and stop trading. Yeah, there's a little bit of misinformation about what happened with Costco. Costco reports monthly. This was a very good quarter versus previous, very good month versus previous month. But the headlines, these are all chat GPT headlines. If they actually look at the different categories, they realize it's a very positive situation versus last month. But it's all automated, and the, the machines are dumb right now. One day they'll be smarter than us. But since I happen to know the company, this was a good month, not a bad month. Last month, I didn't like. So many consumer names we didn't touch on. Etsy, uh, Etsy. Wayfair had a pretty good pre-market. Yeah, what, I, I, Etsy, there are issues with Etsy because they don't have, um, they're, they're kind of lost their way for a month, not more than that. Because again, they're an empowerment play. But if you didn't see, they didn't really emphasize AI like everybody else did. Uh, David, the AI travesty is really here. Zillow is all AI. The travesty? What's the, what is it? You just what? say AI, your stock goes up three. I mean, no. Or, or, or down 40. Yeah, well, exactly. I think the regional banks ought to get together right now. Do an AI. Get together and do an AI bank? Yeah, an AI bank. And it would take over all of them. I've got some stuff tonight. I have Shopify, which got out of a very difficult position which is their infrastructure business where they ship the stuff, logistics, goodbye. Um, I've got Cummins, which is really the secret to having a 2027 clean engine. Kellogg is splitting in a very attractive way, and yet people don't seem to like it today. And if you want what's doing really well, rocks. Martin Marietta is rocks. And David, what's amazing is rocks have a higher AI because they're so darn stupid, they can only win. <laughs> Dumb as a rock? No, smart as a rock. Smart as a rock. They have AI rocks in Martin, in Martin Marietta. Well, look, we have an infrastructure boom in this country that is supported by the government that is just remarkable. It's where you want to be, David. Infrastructure. Got it. Keep that in mind. Thank exactly you. Exactly how do you mean, as Benjamin would say. Jim, we'll see you tonight. Mad Money, Thank uh, you. 6 p.m. Eastern Time. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. All opinions expressed by the Squawk on the Street participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information Squawk on the Street participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Squawk on the Street disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Squawk on the Street disclaimer. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve with the help of T-Mobile for Business. Our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.